0: I'm reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> and we've been uh, we've been uh, worshiping and shouting and having a great time in here. I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I'm going to read verse 7, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And I want to preach for a little while this morning, the day after the rapture. Is there are things about the coming of the Lord that I don't know. I don't know when he's coming. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said it, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man no not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill and the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Luke twelve forty says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. So I do not know when the Lord is coming. Uh, I don't know what time sequence. You you see, uh, everybody would love to know the future and and preachers who preach about prophecy probably have enthusiastic followings. Uh, But you don't hear me preach about prophecy a lot except those things that are clearly defined in prophecy. It's clearly defined in prophecy that Jesus is coming back. There are... Some prophecies that people try to interpret, but but the Bible said no no scriptures of private interpretation, and it's possible that we may guess something right, and it's possible we may guess it wrong. I do know that there are some things that will happen in the end time. The Bible speaks of seven years of great tribulation when horrible things will happen. But you see, there's a lot of debate. I don't know where in the sequence of these things Jesus is coming back. There are people who, who are divided because they're, they're so vehement in, in their debate that he He's going to come before the seven years start or in the middle or at the end of the seven years. and And, you know, really, you could find a Scripture that would make you think That's right for any of those answers. So I don't know where where in the scheme of things He's coming back. I don't know when He's coming back. But I do know this. I know that He's coming. Jesus said, John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. So I do know that there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a rapture of the church. There's going to be a catching away of God's people. He did go to prepare a place, and we are going to go there. I can't get there on my own. I can't pole vault high enough to get to heaven. He's going to have to take me there. I can't climb up any other way. I'd be a thief and a robber if I if I could make it. If I if somebody made a spaceship that would go far enough, I'd be a thief if I tried to get there that way. But I do know that he's coming. You see, ever since the creation of man, man has been God's treasure and his pleasure. You Somebody, you know, we sort of commonly say, well, we save the best for last. And uh, we, you know, we, we use that expression a lot of times right. in a lot of cases. And in the case of God's creation, it's very possible that that's accurate because He creates a universe, speaks it into existence. He creates a planet with life-sustaining properties. I mean, we evidently earth is rare a rare jewel i mean it has water to drink air to breathe grass that grows cattle that eat grass so that i could have steak and you know fruit and i start to say vegetables but that's for the rest of you uh, but uh, this it's a what a creation well he he makes he makes this universe puts the animals and the plants, all of that stuff out there, and then He made us, created us different and with a different purpose and with different properties than everything in the animal kingdom. The Bible says when they die, their spirit's going to return to the dust. When we die, our spirit's going to go back to God that made us. He made us in His own image. He created a God space inside of us. He gave us the capacity to comprehend things, to understand, to think, to reason, to make decisions, to decide either good or evil. He put all of that capacity in us. But He created us for eternity. And He created us so that we could have fellowship with Him. He created us in the image that He Himself would take on to finish the unfolding of that plan of fellowship with God and man. What an awesome God. Amen. I wonder if anybody could say our God is an awesome God. God, an awesome God. I'll tell you it that he just wasn't awesome last Sunday. He's still awesome. Amen. God is awesome. I, I, yeah. Our God our God right. has bigger and better plans. It, we can't comprehend all the majesty of God. Right. Right. We we can't We can't think as high thoughts as He's able of thinking. But, I mentioned this, Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. But Romans 5.14 says, Nevertheless... Death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come. So Adam, I'm going to form this dust because I know what what house I'm going to live in. I know what kind of body I'm going to build for myself. 4,000 years from now, the body I'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna make this man shape just like my shape, and so immediately man becomes the enemy and the target of Satan, who himself is rejected by God and cast out of God's presence. And when Satan understands that here's man that's created with the capacity to have fellowship with God. And God's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, calling Adam by name and talking to him. And it looks like Adam's going to have something that I'm not ever going to have a chance for again, and I hate him. And if I can't get to Adam first, I'll get the weaker vessel, and I'll see if I can destroy the treasure and the pleasure of God. And so the entire history of mankind is the story of Satan trying to destroy our lives and our hopes of an eternity with God. The whole story of the Bible is the story of Satan trying to destroy that hope and God's work of making sure it happens for those that want it. That's the story of the Bible. And so, you know, Satan's dream is to make man an enemy of God. He would love to turn us against God. He would like to say, Eve, God lied to you. You think he's so special to put you in this place and all that. How do you know he's really the one that made all of this? But, you know, that's not, conversation's not in the Bible. But he might have said that. But what he did say is, God wasn't very honest with you because he told you this. But what he, what's really the truth is, if you eat of this, your eyes going to be open. And you're going to you're going to recognize good and evil. You're going to know the difference. You're going to be like God when that happens. And so his his vengeance has meant that every tactic that would work, it's legal in his eye for him to use it. So it doesn't matter if he he lies, uses deception, sin, death, pain- all those things have been the products of his war of hate against God and against man so if he can If he can't convince a person to hate God by lying and planting false ideas, then he hopes to destroy their dreams and their qualifications for eternity with God by corrupting their lives with sin he, it doesn't matter if it's the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh the pride of life doesn't matter what route if there's some you see there there may be strengths in your life that there's some category of sin that just don't ever even appeal to you you know there may be some things that you say look i don't even know why anybody want to do that Man, that's that is stupid that is crazy if if that's a cuss word i didn't know it when i was growing up s t u p i d somebody told me now that that's a bad word but uh you know that idea is is insane and uh, the uh, so you know there might I could say, you know, there's some things that I have never had the slightest desire to do. And yet there may be another area that every time you walk, you feel like you're standing on a banana peel. You're hoping, oh God, don't let me slip and fail you. Give me strength because this is my weak zone. This is this is where I have the is where I have the most problems in my life, right here. Oh God, surround me. Put blinders on the side. Don't let me don't let me see. Don't let me think. Don't let me say. And so if the devil can't just lie to you and make you hate God, he'll try to destroy you with sin. Because sin will separate you from God. It worked in the Garden of Eden. And so the enemy, the adversary, the battle has been going on for the soul of man ever since the Garden of Eden. And one day it's going to end though. The saved are going to go to heaven. The lost are going to go to hell. There's no other place to go. There is is no halfway house. There's no place where you can go and change your mind or somebody can reach and get you out. The rich man was saying, send Lazarus. He could dip his finger in some water and touch my tongue. I'm tormented. And the answer that came echoing back to him across the chasm was, there's a great gulf between us. Nobody can come. From here to there, and so someday there's going to be a turning point, and our text today dealt with one of those turning points i'm going to I'm going to read it from the chapter a little bit higher up in the chapter, second Thessalonians chapter two verse 1, the apostle wrote and he said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. He said, this is what we're talking about. He said, I, and I beseech you. I beg, I'm asking you, don't let you your mind be shaken, that you not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, don't, don't get so scared in your own spirit, or by word, by somebody coming telling you their opinion, or by letter as from me. He said, in case even somebody writes a letter and signs my name and makes you think that I wrote it, don't be troubled about that by somebody telling you that the day of the Lord is at hand right now. Because there were some that were saying... Well, it's going to happen right now. The apostle Paul said, no, no, it's not going to happen yet. Don't let anybody deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. He is talking about a day when an antichrist is going to rule this universe. He's going to rule this, this uh, earth, this, this world that we, that we know and live in. He is going to rule it as a tyrant. He will be, he will be the dictator of all dictators. He, and he will claim to be God so much that he goes into the house of God and says, You, you're going to have to worship me because I am God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth. That he might be revealed in his time. He said, Don't let anybody fool you. It said it's it's happening right. No, it hadn't happened yet because something else is causing it to wait. There's something that's withholding. He's gonna be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Now, sin is the devil's out there, he's working, sin is working. The mystery of iniquity it does already work, been working for 6,000 years. Right. Listen, here's, here's my, here's my nugget. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now you gotta understand what that's saying. What that verse is saying is that there is something hindering, is not letting him do what he wants to do yet. There is a force that is stopping him from doing what he wants to do. But one day that force is going to be taken away... And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Right. And for this cause, what cause? Because they didn't receive the truth. They didn't, they didn't receive that love of the truth. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So right now there is a power in the earth that is holding Satan back so he cannot do everything he wants to do. You might think, well, he's doing plenty. Oh yeah, he's doing plenty, but he's not doing everything yet that he wants to do. And I'm going to tell you what that restraining power is that don't let him do it right now. It's the Holy Ghost in God's people. It's the church. That spirit is in this, in this world. We still live here and he is still our God. He is still awesome in battle. He is, he is still the power, the sustaining power in our lives. And he said, he still said, look, I give you power to tread on scorpions and on serpents and over all the power of the enemy. I'm not going to let the enemy overcome you because I have already overcome him. And so this power that's in the church is the restraining power. I'm telling you what, things are happening in the church world all over the place. Tremendous revivals are happening. Thousands of people are receiving the Holy Ghost in one service. Miraculous things are taking place. Somebody just shared something recently about a, a pastor friend. Sin. i never seen that before. Where'd you get that track? Where'd you get that information? I never saw that. Baptism is in Jesus' name. Pastors are rebaptizing whole churches because the work of the Holy Ghost is at work in this world, and Satan grinds his teeth because you see there there are things that say, the Bible said. Peter wrote this said baptism does also now save us, not the cleansing of the filthiness of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience before God. Satan don't want anybody to get inoculated. He don't want nobody to get the shot. You know he 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 don't he don't want you to get whatever it is that would cure you. There is a cure for sin. The blood of Jesus wash all of our sins away and then God fills us with, you know, with, I don't want to use something so small as His own medicine, but He fills us with His power that inoculates us against sin greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world he fills us with power to be an overcomer we didn't have that power before the apostle Paul wrote about it in in chapter 7 of the book of Romans he said even when I tried to do good I, I I didn't do it when I tried not to do bad I broke down I did it he said I just didn't have the power but he said thanks be unto God And chapter eight tells us what happened. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Those old things have passed away. If any Christ is in us, he's our hope of glory. If the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so the church is alive and well. That's one reason I'm believing we were praying. We're not the only people praying today for Brother Roger Hoover. I believe God's going to work a miracle for him. Amen. The doctors, the doctors said it's all in God's hand. He said, "Somebody get their spinal cord cut. It wasn't completely cut all the way through, but he said that, that's that's a whole lot more serious than just getting bruised up." And they've they've put screws and rods and wires and all kind of stuff in him, and and it may look critical right now. But if God decided to just create brand new bones, he could, he could put he could put brand new vertebrae in his spinal column. He could do that. That's it, that's. It's not. It it wouldn't be hard for God to do that. It might be hard for somebody to believe for Him to do it. So the church is the power that's stopping. Satan from doing all the things that he wants to do. The church has dominion over Satan. The Spirit of God working in the hearts of His saints is greater than that Spirit that's in the world. Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, 19, He said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost that saints cast out demon spirits and pray for healing for the sick and see people saved from sin. It's the power of the Holy Ghost working. That's the restraining power. That's the power that says, no, you can't move in yet. Amen. We, we, we're not gone yet. You're just going to have to back off. This house is occupied. This church is occupied. This, this church is the property of Jesus Christ. Amen. But, When the church is gone, Satan will finally have the freedom to lash out with no restraints. There are things that are going to happen when the Antichrist is in control. I'm just going to say, folk, none of us want to be here when the Antichrist rules because there will be tremendous violence Morality will have flown out the window. There there will be lawlessness. There will be empty churches. Empty of believers. Empty of power. I have a feeling churches will be full, but they'll be empty of the presence of God. I'm going to say there's not going to be anybody here to pray for the sick. Nobody here to help you pray to receive the Holy Ghost. There are a lot of freedoms that will be abolished. Dictatorial rule will take over. You won't be able to buy groceries unless you take a mark of the beast, which the Bible says if you take his mark, then there's no hope for you. Everybody that takes the mark of the beast cast into the flame there There will be regret. It's going to be a day when people will have sorrow and fear. It'll be a day when people realize the seriousness of not coming to God going to be a time when people pray in empty churches and they're hoping to feel the spirit of God. Maybe they will come and have the memory of, of history where maybe even growing up in the church where they stood in the house of God and felt his presence over and over again. I want you to know that God is so gracious and so generous that Many times when we haven't even paid the price, we just step into the house and, and we didn't come bringing an offering of praise. We didn't, we didn't come bringing a sacrifice. We just came and stood there for free. And yet the presence of God that began to fill the room swept over us and we felt it also. But in that day, it will probably be that people who know what the presence of God it's supposed to feel like we'll come hoping to find it again. I was right over here. I know I was right here one service when I felt God so strong, I was just overwhelmed. Me. But you can stand on this spot as much as you want to, but God's gone. He who letteth is going to be taken away. People that have said you know i feel pretty safe my family loves god and if, if i ever need something i mean i know my mama can pray you know if i if everything if anything gets critical I, i'll get my parents cuz they they can touch god but you go home and they're not there cuz they're gone i'm talking about the day after the rapture because there is going to be a rapture of the church 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. Verse 51, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to be a rapture of the church. And there's going to be an anguish and dread in the hearts of those left behind because they know that hell is waiting. You just don't know how rough it was to come to preach this sermon today. Because, you know, this is Pentecost Sunday and a lot of time we... You know Mother's Day I love to... Say what the Bible says about mothers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about Pentecost Sunday. I'm talking about Judgment Day. I'm talking about a day of rejoicing for the the saints, those that are ready to meet the Lord. But it's going to be a, a terrible thing the day after the rapture of the church. It's going to be a day when people have to admit that their ideas, that they thought it was going to be okay no matter what they did. Was just a lie. Gonna to have to acknowledge. Look, I fooled myself. I, I, it wasn't just everybody else lying to me. I lied to myself. It's not all right. Some time ago, somebody wrote a book. I'm okay. You're okay. And a pastor preached the message and put the sign out on his marquee. Here's what I'm going to preach. Uh, I'm not okay. You're not okay. But it's okay. But it's not okay to not be okay. we got to get it right, y'all. If, If God made as much investment as He made to put us here with the promise and the potentiality, then it's worth effort on my part to say yes, it's worth my whole life to make it. You see, folks thought that, you know, I've heard people say this after COVID-19 has changed the world forever. But the day the rapture of the church, the world's going to be changed forever. It's going to be under the rule of a satanic dictator who's going to claim to be God. resistance will be met with death. And my question today is why wait for that day to come and not be prepared? I'm going to ask, is sin so grand that it's worth eternity? I'm going to ask my worship team, would you get ready? I came to service with a burden in my heart today. I'm going to ask you that. Is is sin so pleasurable that it's worth spending eternity in hell? Is acceptance you know, approval, just acceptance, being liked? Is it so valuable that it's worth eternity? I'm going to say the altar is as old as humanity, but it's still timeless its worth. I'm going to say the day after the rapture of the church, I won't be here to invite you to this altar to pray. Saints won't be here to pray with you, to help you get the Holy Ghost the day after the rapture. You can call after the rapture. call the church number. It's forwarded to my house. You can call, but all you're going to get is my answering machine. I won't be there to hear you cry. I won't be there to try to console you or pray with you. I'll be gone. Won't you stand... It may be that you race home and say, there's somebody at home waiting for me. It'll be okay when I get there, but no, the house is going to be empty. I had a dream when I was younger. Uh, we, We lived sort of out in the country. My dad had bought a plot of land from a farmer and actually cut it up into some lots and sold off some lots and we had a few neighbors, and Dad gave us an empty lot for a softball field. And uh, we, the neighbor kids would come, and we'd play softball there. Right behind our house was the woods, and it, just, it went back to the river. You take a little trail back through there to the river. And uh, in my dream, I was out in the softball field, and it was sort of overgrown. It was a dry sage grass had grown up. And I was out there alone and and all of a sudden the grass the dry grass started burning, and I looked around and it was burning all around and I thought I better run to the house and I looked in the woods behind the house, caught on fire, and the trees were burning and and I ran to the house, trying to scream, and even in my dream, I couldn't get a scream out of my throat but when I got there, the house was empty. And I knew in my dream that I had missed heaven. I knew it. I woke up terrified, but thankful that I was alive. I got up in the dark and I went to my parents' room and I said, you've got to pray with me. Gotta pray with me that I received the Holy Ghost and that morning, just about daybreak, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I began to speak in another tongue as I worshiped Him. But you see, if that never happened, it would be fatal for me the day after the rapture. I'm going to say this. I respect everybody here. I respect your feelings whatever. But if you want to pray for the Holy Ghost, it's okay today. If you want to come to this altar to pray, it's okay. If you want me to lay my hand on you, I will. If you don't, I won't. But what I am telling us that on this Pentecost Sunday, somebody has the privilege the chance, the opportunity to make it right before the day of the rapture. I want to pray for you. Altar's open. If you want to come, feel free. You can get the Holy Ghost right where you're standing if you want to. Why don't you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, in Your name, O God, I pray for us as a family of people who love one another and love You. I pray for people who have been filled with your spirit. I pray for every one of us, oh God, that as the days go by, we don't get casual and unconcerned and slack and drift away from the fire of your presence. I pray that we don't ever lose sight and somehow the trickery of the devil, if it's not his life, it's the temptation of sin would turn us and destroy our capability of ever qualifying to be part of your promise reward. I pray, I pray that you keep us close to you, keep us filled and overflowing with your spirit. Keep us filled with that restraining power that's holding this world. Oh God, right now in check, holding Satan in check. And I pray today, Oh God, for somebody who's never been filled with your spirit. I pray they feel the urgency, the urgency of this moment. I pray that for some reason on a Pentecost Sunday, you you urged me to preach about something that's, that's treacherous and dangerous and near. I pray that you touch somebody's heart today, Jesus. Let them trust you. If you're here and you've never... Experience the new birth the Bible way.